Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome in, everybody, to SEC Football and Beyond. Chris Landry with Neil McCready. Bear down, Neil McCready. Bear down, Chicago Bears. We were got a lot to talk about tonight. The big Bears fan is. Did something ex- even happen last <laughs> night? All I heard was the Bears got a quarterback. And they then the, did. They Aaron Rodgers went to Jeopardy. Green Bay sucks now. The, 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 the Bears got a quarterback, and supposedly some other things happened. But all I heard was Bears got quarterback. And after that, it was just sort of white noise. You know it, I mean? it, 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 it didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to be a real jerk because I'm tired and I have no sleep. Uh, uh, so compare this excitement to when they got Mitchell Trubisky. I want <laughs> <I'm just saying, laughs> compare that night, not now, you know, not, not your thoughts now. But this is a, it. well, I can do it. This is, this is the polar yeah. opposite of that night where when they took Trubisky, you're like, no, 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 you, you, you're overthinking it. You're overthinking it. You're overthinking it. And today, today it's instead of overthinking it, we didn't overthink it. We completely said, oh, wow. I, I, I think you and I talked about this on Tuesday. If Fields is sitting there, go get yeah. him. Yeah. And go get him. And when, as he kept falling, I said, <clears throat> boy, this is kind of that moment. And, and yeah. kept waiting, starting at Philly. And then when Philly took Devontae Smith, when they traded up to take Smith, I thought if I'm the Bears, I'm going after the Giants hard right here. And then it pops up in the bottom of my screen, Bears on the clock. And I went. Oh my God, we got our guy. Yeah, and you know, look, I'm not um, people who listen to the draft show last night and and go through all the machinations. I'm not, you know, that everybody's great and like you're on TV. Everybody's pick is this every. You know, I'm I'm not that I'm not that guy. Um, so I'm not taking up. Look, they they missed on Trubisky. Get on the horse. Go find your quarterback. People laugh with, with they've tried to sign. Dalton was a guy in insurance. He's a, you know, starter slash backup, who, you know, because you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen in the draft. You don't know that Justin Fields is not going to be taking two, three, or four. You don't know that. Um, go and get your guy. And we have talked about this quite a bit, that the, the price, the cost of doing business, of paying a quarterback as a rookie, it's a lot it is a fraction of what, you know, you did in the Sam Bradford days. And we was the last bonus, baby. I'm not picking on Sam. But so go and get one. Go and try again. Be, and, and they're in a position. They don't have time to wait. And you know what they did? Perhaps. They probably bought themselves some time. 
if they're smart, if there's not a collapse or a, a complete dysfunctional look to them, they've got a young quarterback that they can sell the futures good, and now let's see what they can do with the rest of the roster. And let's remind folks, and I said this, you know, that this team made the playoffs, this team did some good things, and maybe I think they've got themselves a quarterback of the future that can be dynamic and, and a guy that has a good reputation with quarterbacks. And look, Ryan Pace, they, look, they missed it. They missed it on Trubisky. There's no question. And they can't miss it here, and they can't, they can't botch things. You lose your job. I get it. No problem with that. We're all big boys. But um, I said this is fixable, and, you know, this is a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a sign of, you know, it, it's, a, it's a jolt of medicine. You know, it's a, you know it's, a, it's a positive sign. So I'm happy – for them that they were able to get it. And I'm happy for Justin because good quarterback coach, good situation. Um, it's a great fit for yeah. him. It's a great fit for him. He, yeah. it, it's, uh, they, and they paid a big price. They gave up next year's one. Uh, they, they gave up some picks, but you know, you've talked about this, you've said it consistently and, and other people who really understand the NFL have said it consistently. When the quarterback that you believe in is there, it's a quarterback league, and if you don't have one, you yeah. know you know the rest. You're compelled to find one. And so they 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 found him, and they went and got him, and it's amazing kind of to watch the Bears fan base in just one moment. Oh, Bears fan base goes from we're screwed to here we go. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, we, bleep you. We didn't need Russell Wilson anyway. Bleep you. Stay your ass and eat Salmon on the north. I mean, they just they, – they're well, so – I get I get. You don't hit think they're going to sell some jerseys, do you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. And you know what? Good job by them coming out last night. Because, you know, that's the the post-draft press conferences. Who's starting quarterback? Hey, Andy Dalton's our starting quarterback. You know, that that's the way you do it. You know, let the young guy win it. Now, you know, the guy who's probably not real thrilled is Andy. I mean, he'll get his money, but now he's – he can be the bridge guy, and he's a guy that's going to mean a whole lot. Well, in a – with a little – it is SEC and beyond. On an SEC note, the SEC had six first-round draft picks last night. Alabama had six. Um, <laughs> so that's a total of 12. Um, it's it's what, what, what a run. Um, just the Leatherwood one, we, we get, I talked about it last night. That's uh, That was one that was – little high in my mind some people thought Barmore and I I kind of I you know you know I know we we talk about a bunch but you know last night four hours and almost five hours I got a lot of things that a lot of things I brought up there so um I, I talked about the concerns with Barmore that um um because a lot of the Alabama fans were pulling for another guy to tie Miami's you know 2004 class of number of first rounders um, yeah, as if as if Bama needs more records. Um, uh, Barmore is was was a hard guy to, to coach. I mean, he was. Um, uh, you, I mean, he. I mean, they, he. They. They. The bull and the whip and all that. I. I. He. No defensive tackles gone off. I'm. I'm not. He's gonna go pretty high tonight, I would think. But you know, that's a. That's a buyer beware. Get my money, and I'll play when I want to. Risk there with him. You know, look, he played 40% of the snaps there, and this wasn't one of the typical Bama guys that they – they couldn't reach him like um, 
that could reach others. They got out of him, you know, but he, you know, a, a good bit. But so we'll see. And hopefully, hopefully, look, I always have a little bit of optimism. Maybe he'll realize that, okay, I'm getting paid. I got to play hard. And if I'm going to earn my second contract, I better ball out now, you know, maybe. But it was um, I, the other thing is just how everybody kept oh, what's your biggest in the in the in the chat room man i got i got to thank everybody cuz i know a lot of them are probably you know fans of your program and your work and it just so many people and then i apologize I, I couldn't even come close to keeping up with That's answering awesome. the chats i mean it just I, yes. I i didn't you know i mean it just you know i'm doing it by myself um, scott seidenberg joined me another host joined me early just to kind of pop in he's a jets fan but i you know i had time to go and it, and it was it was a different type of show but the what did you surprise? Really, when you talk about board pick clean, first rounders all went. Only three of my first rounders are left, and you know there's who's almost, left. Um, Trevon Morig of TCU, first mm-hmm. round grades. I'm top one. Jeremiah Owosu Koromora of Notre Dame, and uh, Elise Ojolari from Georgia. Uh, those are three first round grades that I think are going to go really high, and. All of the other guys were just like high second round value, which again we we've explained time and time again that you you, you don't have thirty two first round grades, so high second round. I didn't really see the big reaches. Um, I do think um, a couple of things. Leatherwood with the Raiders. Uh, look, I, I like Leatherwood. I have no doubt in my mind that you put him book in him with Colton Miller, and, and maybe they've got something there. I just think I think Tevin Jenkins was a little bit better. I thought there were some better options. Uh, there was a lot of consternation for um, Saints fans with the pick of Peyton Turner. Uh, that was maybe, you know, again, another name that people are not as familiar with out there in the draft world. And I didn't have him ranked quite that high because of production. He is he is Marcus Davis, Davenport all over again. He is long-levered, long-limb, great athlete, and they tend to, they tend to do that. Um, the, the, the GM there, Jeff Ireland, is a good young guy. I knew his granddad real well. But I think I, I never – real quick, I'm not, not going to go into stories today, but his granddad, you, you'd be interested. Jeff Ireland, the GM of the, of, was a, uh, of the Saints, he was a – knew him, young guy, took him on the road with me first – Four or five years, we we were on the road a bunch together. I was real good friends with his. He, Jeff was a was a uh, field goal kicker at Baylor back in the day. His grandfather was a good friend of mine, a guy by the name of Jim Palmer, not Palmer Palmer, and he was a great Bear Scout. Um, and uh, he was one of with Bill Tobin, Jim Finks, and they built you know from the seventy five to eighty five that big, and so that was his granddad. And that's that's what. He wanted to. He was a kicker, but he wanted to get into football and always teased him. So you, you didn't play football, but you wanted. To. <laughs> so I always teased him. Oh, you damn. But so I remember his dad, his granddad, saying to me, "You know, man, my grandson, and you help him. That we, you know, can you? <laughs> he, you know, would you guys look at him? I was at LSU at the time. Would you guys look at him? You know, he's really good. And I said, yeah, he's really good. We, you know, we don't have a place for him. We had Brown Dyke at the time, who was also a Texas kicker. But I ended up, ended up going to." Going to Texas, but Jeff has done a really good job. But he's he's a guy that's big on athlete. Sean Payton is a lot of will take guys really good athletes. So it's a risky pick with Turner. Now people will say, "Oh, he could have got him later." No, no, he couldn't. He was going really high tonight. So 
he's just a, a workout warrior that doesn't have the production behind him, so it's a little bit of hit and miss. Um, but he can be a good edge rusher. Um, they lost Trey Hendrickson. There's a bunch of needs. The Saints needed a corner. Man, the corners went up really big. How about Philadelphia moving up ahead of the Giants and then the basically two corners going right in front of Dallas? And by the way, good job by the Cowboys, not panicking. They wanted a corner, I know. They moved down and picked up a third-round pick and got Michael Parsons, you know, from their trade-down spot. So I, I really, you know, I, I'm happy because I, I, I get a little – Agitated when I feel like, eh, man, you know, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing there. I, I just, I really like what they've done thus far. Now, stay tuned tonight. We'll be doing the show tonight and tomorrow. It's going to be all across the board. And they'll be bitching galore because most people are not going to know half these players. And they're just going to, they're going to say, oh, what? I never heard of this guy. Well, they, we'll, we'll walk you through it. But this, is, this was a lot of fun. So, so let me get to some questions. There's some people have questions in the thread, and I'll kind of tie them into my questions a little bit. Obviously, we talked about this on Tuesday. The draft was going to start at number three, and it did. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, Niners went with Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State. Grind here says they did the right thing. Uh, Rock Westfall says, was that the ultimate proof that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs live rent-free in the 49ers' heads? What did you ultimately think about Trey Lance going third? <clears throat> they liked him a lot, and you know, one of the things we talked about was they moved up, they like, you know, at least three guys when they moved up to three. Um, it, you know, they like Lance, they like Jones, and they certainly like Wilson, and they like Lawrence. And so they knew they were going to get one. Um, but pretty early on, they identified Lance. And the, the biggest thing was about, I can't, I can't put exact time on it, but I'm going to say about a month ago when they really had the, the meeting with them. They said it was phenomenal on the board. Now, he's definitely a project. We've talked about it. He doesn't have hardly any starts at quarterback. But they still have Garoppolo, so they have some time. They do, um, and and they've got him for costly, but they got this guy on a rookie contract. Now, what do they do? Um, Would they – I'm not – I don't think they want to with their team. I don't think it's the best thing for this year, as people will say Garoppolo should be traded. Um. I mean, I don't rule anything out if I get a really good deal for a team that doesn't get their quarterback in the draft. There may be interest, but I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to say that it makes more sense to have Garoppolo there and let it fight it out and then just kind of go kind of go with, um, you know, I mean, I think we, we know who they drafted for their future, but they like not only the physical skill set, but what they like about the guy is the intangibles, the, the leadership qualities. The, they thought he was brilliant. They thought he was yeah. really, really smart on the board. So, look, um, you know, it was it was one of those things that um, that they knew for some time, and they loved the fact that it was going one way. And I, I said, I look, I don't know, I don't know. I just will say this, and just just file this away, folks. But you know, they had. All the rumors they let out there that they wanted Trubisky. They wanted Trubisky. They, the Niners. Trubisky. Trubisky. This almost years, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the draft. And that was, you know. And so, 
What you hear? And we'll remind that all the time. What you hear? There's a new era in Chicago now. Yeah, no, no, no. This is not about. It's not about Chicago. It's about. It's about you know believing. Believe what you want. Believe what you want. Oh, it's a seventy percent. It was. Uh, it was. It was. It, it was not anything against Mac Jones. It was yeah. Lance. It was yeah. Lance for a long time. No, they didn't take it down the road and and that. But they they played it. They played it. Here's the thing. They didn't even tell their scouts. Their scouts didn't know. Only Kyle knew. The kid didn't know. Well, the, that's not that unusual. I mean, they sometimes will call the night before. No, he said two minutes before, and they they didn't want to because the league kind of kind of got on them about you know let's let's you know, let's have a little drama. And if you tell the league, and then the, the agent tells, and all of a sudden it's out there, it's going to be Lance. They didn't want that, so they didn't. But you know, in the organization. That's interesting is the scouts didn't know. So Kyle knew, um, you know, John Lynch knew. I believe Adam Peters would have known. He's the assistant GM. And I'm assuming if he wanted to know, Jed York was in on it. I mean, you know, at least knew about it, the owner. So um, that's that. So, yeah, listen, it's it's interesting. Um, and, look, I know Bill's really happy. Belichick's really happy with Mac at, at, uh, at New England. And it's a good sure. fit for him. Good fit. Uh, I think I think Mac would have done well in with Kyle. He'll do well with Bill. You know, being in good situations are really important. And so that's what I'm hoping. And I'm hoping, you know, the, the one that I'm, I'm most concerned about, that I'm hopeful works out. And I love the early culture there. I'm hoping that um, – that, that the Jets can do a much better job with Zach Wilson than they were able to do in the previous regime with, with Sam Donald. Because I don't want these guys to be successful. That Zach Wilson. Give the guy credit now. Let's let's all let's let's all just put our egos aside and, and give the guy credit. I mean my wife my wife knows nothing about football and she saw Zach Wilson walking down. She said, Who is that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Zach Wilson looks good in a suit. Let's let's get let's give the guy credit. He looks like a model. He he um he's got a chance if his career goes well to make a ton of endorsement money there in New York. Yeah, you think in New York with a uh with 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 the locks? Yeah, you think he's you think he's got a chance of doing that, huh? Yeah, he he rocked the suit quite well. I'll give the guy credit. All right, so here's the first pick that I was like, whoa. I was and and I love I love J.C. Horn, love him, but I was kind of surprised to see him go eight. I thought he'd go 11, 12, somewhere in there. Obviously, we had a run on the corners, like you mentioned. Uh, Horn goes eight to Carolina. Sertain goes nine to uh, to Denver. Newsom ended up going, uh, I think, a little earlier than maybe some people thought he would go. Just uh, the, the 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 run on corners there early. Were you a little surprised when Horn popped at eight? Not really, just knowing, just knowing, and I was mentioning this last night, um, the difference between Sertain and Horn. Sertain is a little bit more versatile. He can play inside, outside, press, press man, off man, zone corner, do a lot of things well. Carolina was very, very heavy zone last year. They drafted heavy on defense. By the way, Matt Rule um, hadn't drafted an offensive guy. <laughs> Since he's been in Carolina, it's it's on it's one full draft in one round, but kind of kind of comical. Um, they wanted a press man corner. They want to play more man. That's that's what he's an outside corner that can play press man, turn and run guy. So they again fit style what you want. Same grade I had Sertano on. Now they love 
Sertain in Denver, they like the versatility. Um, that sure. was that was one of the top three players on their board there. They loved him. Um, and so, you know, good fit for him. Um, the, the guy that I knew would fall a little, I didn't know how much. It was the guy that was the, the – it, it hung the longest, 10th on my board overall, was Caleb Farley. But we kind of talked about that. We're coming off the back surgery, that was yeah. going to be a medical issue. Who was going to say, look, we're comfortable enough with it, and, you know, at a, at a, at a certain point – it's a value. Well, Tennessee did it, and I think pretty good value there when at 22. Uh, look, if he's healthy, there's not maybe a better uh, on-the-ball corner than this guy. So it's just about health and availability for him. So you're right. Uh, run on corners, uh, early run on on receivers. You know, we had, the, of course, the quarterbacks, and then uh, then we, we started. It was the longest – the longest we went without a defensive player, I think, since like 1999. So that's a that's a little that's a little ways, you know. But you know, quarterbacks, we had some receivers, um, you know, a couple of good linemen. The, the Chargers got the tackle that they loved in Slater. The good Lions got a, yeah got a really good player in Sewell. So yeah, some you know really really excited for for you know most folks here in this draft. I thought. The Vikings trading down and getting Darishaw was really good. Uh, the uh, Steelers getting uh, Najee Harris. Um, and then, then coming right after it, the Jags teaming Travis Etienne with Trevor Lawrence. By the way, this is the first time in the modern era um, that the same team drafted Two players from the same team in the first round. Jags did it obviously with Lawrence and ATN. Um, long, long time, long, long time since a, since a modern era of the draft. So, yeah, it's really a really a fun night. Um, and uh, you know, I thought there was some, like I said, some really good value ahead throughout the first round. You were asked a question in the thread about uh, Greg Newsom, who went twenty six mm-hmm. overall first round to uh, to Cleveland, the cornerback from Northwestern. First of all, kudos to Pat Fitzgerald, who's taken uh, Northwestern, and and now they have two first round draft picks that go from Northwestern. I don't think too many people saw that coming. Fifteen, right? Years ago. Right? No, absolutely. What do you What do you think about uh, about Newsom's fit there in Cleveland? Yeah, I think he's really good. I think obviously they'll play him. Um, you know, that bookends their corner position. He reminds me a little of Carlton Davis. Remember him coming up a few years ago, three-year starter there. And, you know, he's really – he's got good versatility in man and zone. And some of my notes on him, you know, he's primarily an off-cover guy. Um, really does a good job breaking on the ball. Um, playing the ball is an IMG Academy kid that they got. Um, you know, the guy can run. Uh, I – it was it's a – most people had him a little bit higher than them. I probably was a little lower on him. Not, I had a good grade on him. I had, but I'm I probably, as I looked and studied at it, I thought, you know, he's probably going to go late first round, early second. Um, and so, uh, no, I, I think it's really good value. Uh, you look at the, um, as I didn't even check these off. So, at, at the at the corners, Sertan's gone, Farley's gone, Horn's gone. Um. Uh, Stokes is gone a little bit there, like Stokes a lot, a little bit. Spot. Newsom's gone. Um, we've got some really good corners though still left. Calvin Joseph of Kentucky's out there. By the way, Kentucky, if you go back like 
30, 40 years, Kentucky's had like three linebackers drafted. In the last five years, they've had three linebackers drafted. They have done a really good job. John and Davis, they do, they do such a really good job. We talk about that during the season, how well they coach. Um, so, yeah, they're still really good depth and value at corner. And I think a guy that's a big slot, Trevor, Mo- Trevor Morgan, that can play safety, I, I think he's going to be I, – I know it today he's going to be busy with people moving up to try to get this guy top of the second. I, I think he's first-round value. So, uh, yeah, it was um, – all right, so let me, let me dig on a couple of questions that I have because there were a couple of things that happened during the draft where I, I caught myself going, I wonder what Chris thinks about that. And I guess I could have turned your show on, but yeah. I, was, I was watching multiple things. And yeah, I if you had watching. a spare five hours, I don't know what the hell you were thinking. <laughs> you, you were really high on Zabin Collins. He goes, uh, the, the Tulsa linebacker goes yeah. 16 to Arizona. Yeah. And then you, you, you thought, and you were not alone, by the way, you thought, hey, the Giants typically like bigger bodies um gettleman likes bigger bodies he went with a smaller body in, in Kadarius tony the wide receiver from florida at uh at 20 i know you weren't surprised to see collins go there what did you think new york would do when they traded down with chicago and they were sitting there at 20 and they had a lot of options were you were you surprised they went smallish receiver well no because remember you know i think philly jumped on the Obviously, because I think that's who they were taking. Remember, they were we going to take Smith. Yeah, we talked about we talked about Devonte with them. I think that was the intel that it probably you know ticked them off in in their draft room. So Philly gets Devonte. So the you know regroup a little bit, and obviously they went with some who they thought was the next best guy, and they got a lot of weapons now for the quarterback. So yeah, I, you know. There's certainly probably some sentiment knowing Dave. There wasn't great value on defense. I thought maybe it was a little bit high, you know, for them for Quiddy Pay. Um, and and I thought maybe offensive tackle was a possibility. But, uh, I, you know, knowing receiver, they, they obviously had a, obviously a really good rate on Kadarius Toney. Um, so, yeah, not, not really. When you look in context of, yeah, all right, you, and this is why mock drafts are – kind of foolish because they put that stuff and then well but you know if you're at sit there in 13 and then you think this makes sense well then you know when that's gone then then where's the regroup and to me that's why I do it like doing it on the fly and we we, we talk about it and give it a little feel for it. I, I this is kind of based upon intel kind of how I think they use players and likes players and how guys would fit that's when it's really fun to do for me while the draft is going on before the picks are made is, okay, now here's who's there. You know, cause you can sit there and want a guy all you want. He just drafted three picks ago. It just doesn't matter. All right, so right now the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Round two starts tonight at six. They've got a ton of options. There's still a lot of talent on the board. Uh, one of the questions that uh, Grind has for us, he says, is Tony a better pick than Elijah Moore? Why not take more? So two things. I'll let you answer that question, and then I'll, I'll start here. If you're Jacksonville today, you're not ready to contend for a, anything resembling a title. You've got Trevor Lawrence. You've got Travis at the end. There's a lot of talk in Jacksonville, I've heard locally there, that they're going to spend a lot of focus on this draft in putting offensive targets around Lawrence to make his transition to the NFL a little easier. If you're uh, 
If you're Jacksonville, are you thinking about Elijah Moore here to start the second round? Oh, I think you you absolutely would. I, I think weapons around them. I think, um, but I got to tell you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, you know, uh, they got a lot of needs. Yeah. When you look at, um, you know, they need to need some offensive tackle help. Receiver is one of them. Uh, safety's one. Uh, they draft their running back and quarterback. So um, not to interrupt you, but they're interesting tonight, obviously, because they're 33rd and then they're sitting there again at 45. So they can, they can have some early impact tonight they got, they and do a couple of things. Five picks in the top 65. Yeah. So they, they, they in, you've alluded to it. So they've got, they've got some ammunition, and that's why Urban said we can't screw this up. Look, I, I don't think they can screw this up. Moore would be a really good pick. Is he a better tick, pick than Trevon Morick? I, I, I don't know that I can say that. I mean, I, I think those are – those are what do you want now you got a big slot that can play deep and uh, you know so they're they're in terms of my grade i had a high second round value on elijah moore and i've got a first round grade on morgue but you know we're not dealing a whole lot uh of difference i, I you know i mean you look at it do you you've got uh a really big time player in um wasu koromora ojalari's on the board i mean you know, you, you've got to throw that out there as a possibility. Uh, it's something that they might look at. Uh, but but I would say, you know, Tevin Jenkins, talking about a really good value offensive tackle, man, that would make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're overly, you know, how they feel about the work ethic with a, with a, uh, with a, with a Christian Barmore, um, you know, but, uh, but Elijah Moore certainly would would be in that mix, but there there's a lot, there's a lot of guys you know um, that I, that I think would fit them. I don't think they need to be they need to be tied to their board and not tired to need because they got a whole lot of them. Yeah, there is. I'm sitting here looking at just some names that are still out there. There is still a lot of of uh, of talent out there. I mean, Terrace Marshall is, is still out there. I know there's a little health concern there, but yes, that's I mean, the reason he slipped, and that's why the Ravens went. Bateman. Um, somebody asked me last night, is Bateman the first? I, I had a high uh, second-round grade on Bateman, but again, receivers off the board, a little bit more size, like Marshall, uh, than more. And that's, again, too, is you know, you're dealing with, you know, so somebody asked me, you know, Tony and Moore, they're both slot guys that can play the Z position. Look, I got the same grade on both. I've got Tony stacked, you know, um, a little bit above uh, Moore with Terrence Marshall in the middle. And Terrence with a little bit of medical concern by some, so uh, no, I think Tony. I think to, here's the thing: Kadarius Tony is is Debo Samuel. He's Percy Harbin, Dante Hall. He's got he's got that. Um, Elijah Moore is more more Tyler Lockett, um, a more athletic Cole Beasley, a guy that you know it's more like a Lockett. He's athletically like Lockett, nifty like Cole Beasley, but more athletic. I mean outstanding players starting caliber players you know difference making type players both of them so you know everybody has their favorites looking at it from a fan viewpoint but from a scouting viewpoint they're very very similar marshall's a different type of guy he's a Devonte parker type of guy you just got the, the clearance medically and if you're comfortable he's going to go here you got rondell moore who's uh who reminds me of the um the the, the, the curtis samuel kid um the Purdue yeah. receiver, yeah. Receiver, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. You know, DJ Moore, you know, DJ Moore type of guy. You know that that type of guy. Um, 
Uh, you got Amari Rogers out there. That's kind of a, a Ty Montgomery type of player. That's going to be good value late in this. I like this. Tyson Campbell, the corner from Georgia. I've, I've always thought Ty, he- Tyson Campbell. Yeah, I was just thinking. I was just going over receivers now. But yeah, yeah, sure. Ty, sure. The corners are, are really good. You know, right now, I, Calvin Joseph. Uh, Calvin Joseph to me is 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 a is a Bradley Roby type of guy. Um, Tyson Campbell is a, is a is a probably a thinner version of Xavier Rhodes, starting caliber corner. Um, uh, you know, Aaron Robinson uh, is corner from Central Florida, really really good. Elijah Molden from Washington, um, uh, Melifanu from Syracuse. You get some. I mean, we got there's value. Deep into the second and third round, we're going to see quite a run on corners. So a lot of what's going to happen is a little bit of an anticipating, and, and this is why you have a board is to try to see, Ben, we're going to have a little bit more of a run, whereas there's a little bit more depth, whereas a little bit more meat on our board so that we can double dip. So they will make sure we can address two or three positions and uh, make sure that you, you take care of that. All right. We talked a lot about quarterbacks. Now you get into day two of quarterbacks and, and – you know, you can get some value here. There's more risk. Obviously, there's more downside. There's more upside. I mean, there's not as much upside. There's not, you know, there's there's not the – there's no Justin Fields in the second round. There's no Trevor Lawrence in the second round. But it, but here we are. Kyle Trask is out there. He's 23 already. But he did some really good things at Florida the last couple of years. There's a question on the board from Jeffrey Parrott. He says, who do you think the Saints target in the second round? The Saints have been tied to quarterback a little bit in some mock drafts and that kind of thing. So kind of a twofold question. What do you think the Saints are looking here as, as they move into day two? And then along those lines, not necessarily tied to the Saints, but Kyle Trask, the, the, the kid from Stanford, there's some quarterbacks out there that people like. Where do you where do you think they may go? I think you'll start to see for people, got to look at the people that um, that are quarterback shopping. I think I think all these guys, like in the first round, they're going to be overvalued. I think you're leaving, and we talked about some of them in other positions, we're leaving plenty of good players on the board to go and reach with a quarterback that, let me just sum it up by saying none of these guys that we're talking about, none of those guys are going to be starters in the league. So, you know, now, the need, you need to add one. Like Kyle Trask, you know, not very mobile. Kyle Trask doesn't have a gun for an arm, and I, I, I don't. I don't know. Again, to me, he's Matt Moore. He's, you know, Brad Johnson. Uh, he's, he's, you know, and, and look, Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl with the Bucs. You know, not, you know, good decision maker. In, in the right situation, could he start? Yes, I just think he's a guy you look to replace. Davis Mills was a guy that I worry about durability, but he's got a little uh, he's got a little Matt Ryan, Andy Dalton in him. Um, maybe you hope more Matt Ryan than Andy physically, but really, we're talking about the guy that was the number one number one recruit in the country, Neil. I mean, it was you know turned down Alabama, you know everybody. He's just he hasn't played much football because durability questions. Uh, I'm not high on Kellen Mond. Some are. Some will give him a chance. He's, to me, he's Josh Dobbs. He's Tyrod Taylor. He's not, you know, but, you know, somebody, yeah. The, where they're going to go and where I would take them are two different answers, guys, on, on the thread. So, I, you know, yeah, I think that we're going to see some go in the second round and some in the third round. I would take, I would take a chance at the right spot down the road on Jamie Newman and 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 hope that I can develop into more of a Jacoby Brissett 
than a Deshaun Kaiser because that's who he reminds me of. He, he physically reminds me of both. But that's kind of how I see the quarterbacks that, uh, you know, the, the well, we're going to get our quarterback later. He's going to lead us. In it. It's, if you're holding out hopes that Kyle Trask is going to be, you know, because, like, for example, that's somebody the Bears would have considered probably in the second if they couldn't do this deal. But they're back to, you know, not good enough. Still, you know what I mean? As a, as sure. a different very Now you got you got a guy that you can build something with and build around and potentially be great. Kyle Trask is not. Could you build a team around him, Kyle Trask, that's really, really good to where he can be functional and he can be successful? Yes. Um, is he a difference maker in my mind? No. All right, we've talked about quarterbacks, and we've sort of uh, ignored the giant gorilla in the room. Aaron Rodgers was in the news yesterday. The NFL is uh, the NFL is oh. king at owning a news cycle. They, they no league owns a news cycle like the NFL owns a news cycle. Oh, and yeah. we have this story that's out there that nobody is completely shooting down, and that is Aaron Rodgers is really unhappy and perhaps not completely willing to just walk back to Green Bay and put on his green and gold and head out into Lambeau Field. He's 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 got options. He's getting married to a California girl. He did a he did a um, audition for Jeopardy to replace the the great late Alex Trebek. Listen, there's there's enough buzz and smoke here to make me go, hmm. What's Green Bay going to do? Is there a way that Green Bay makes Aaron Rodgers happy? And let's keep in mind, Chris, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that when he holds a grudge, he holds a grudge. Yeah, no, he's um, – people may know the story. He doesn't uh, – people may be familiar. I don't know where his – people remember his brother Jordan at Vanderbilt. I think Jordan yeah. does some TV on one of the networks. I think he's SEC Network. Seen, okay, there you go. I've seen him. Um, and I think he may have been on one of those those girly shows with the roses, you know, where you do the – um, he was a bachelor. Come the on, bachelor. The bachelor. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be this mad. Look, I'm tired. I did a damn five hour show last night. I'm, I'm grumpy. No, I'm, just, I'm a grump. Get off my lawn, Neil. No, I don't. I don't know. I, I know that it's popular. So it's he really had some of the most dramatic rose ceremonies ever. Really, really. Yeah. Okay. Good. Anyway, they don't. Aaron doesn't. They don't. He doesn't. They don't speak. He, Aaron doesn't speak with his parents. Look, I don't know. I mean, it's personal business, but it's kind of little, little weird. And and I, I remember somebody telling me, and I have no idea that that it was one of the actresses. Obviously, he's had some good-looking girlfriends, but they kind of blamed the relationship problem on one of the actresses. But apparently, it's more Aaron than he, he's a quirky dude. Here's the, the the nutshell, and I went into this in a lot of detail before the draft show because that kind of did kind of take the news away. Why did this come out yesterday? This is not really new news, but it was advanced yesterday. And it was advanced for a reason, and I'll tell you why. So backstory is Aaron is not happy, doesn't like, you know, again, he, he tends to not like people. He doesn't get along. Mark Murphy's is, is the president of the Packers. He's a, he's a pain in the ass, and he's a little bit of a, you know, Whatever I'll say, it, he's a he's a prick too. So you okay. know you got you got there. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little raw this morning. So anyway, so you're dealing with um, personality conflicts. You're dealing with Aaron Rodgers, who you know the whole thing. Show players respect. Respect is money. Money's respect. He's not happy that Jared Goff, for example, is probably has the same contract he has. Um, he sees all the big money. 
He's 37. He wants his. Hey, I completely understand that. That's that people are tired of players. Oh, they make too much money. They're greedy with it. Hey, they want, they see other guys. He wants his. He's MVP of the league. And so it's gotten contentious. The Packers have tried to redo his deal. He wants an extension. He wants it the way he wants it. And okay, that's fine. That's a negotiation. The Packers haven't done a good job of getting this done. The bottom line is, Get it done. They've kind of screwed this up and they've made it contentious. So we'll show you we'll draft Jordan Love last year. So we're, we're going to hedge our bet if something happens, if he starts acting up. We're going to go draft the quarterback that we liked. We didn't just do it. They, they like Jordan Love. But drafted him last year. A lot of talk. Now, that's a team in Green Bay that's competitive. It's a playoff team. It's elevated highly by Aaron Rodgers but really improving that defense, getting more weapons. You know what? You look at what Tampa did and what Green Bay's done. You know, that could have been Green Bay, you know, the last, you know, what Tampa did this year with better organization management. That could have been Green Bay. That hadn't been the case. So it's gotten contentious. And to the point where they have not, um, they've not advanced the, the negotiations to the point. So David Dunn, the agent says, well, we'll, okay, we'll do this. We'll drop this in your lap on draft day and try to, you know, now it makes you, I'm not playing for Green Bay anymore. So it puts a little bit of a pressure to get the deal done, to get an extension done. And it didn't work, but maybe force a potential trade, which quite frankly, that, could have been done a few weeks ago if they wanted to trade. Green Bay is not interested in trading them. There was all sorts of rumors that came out. You know, people were right. Oh, man, we're reading on the Internet that Denver's getting ready to do a deal. I texted George Patton, uh, Peyton in, in, the, in the, the Broncos' office. They didn't even call them. They were not even in negotiations. I don't know, Neil. I don't know how this stuff comes out sometimes. There, it's A deal is all but done for a trade with Denver. Denver hadn't even talked to them. No, none at all. So it's just fab. I don't know what what the heck people go with sometimes. Um, and there wasn't it. There were teams. There were about five or six teams yesterday afternoon that called Green Bay, and Green Bay said, "Look, no interested in trading them. No interested in, in trading them at all." Now that could change. So here's where we are. Does he? He's got three years left on his deal. I I think what they're going to do is eventually get the money right, and and he's going to be fine. Now, is he going to love the guys? He doesn't like people? No, that's probably Aaron anyway. Gets his money, he's going to be fine. The other option is he doesn't want to play football, and he wants to live in Northern California with his wife, and I don't know if he can get that Jeopardy thing full-time or do something else or do state farm insurance? I, I don't know. I mean, it's up to him. He's got enough money, but what's enough? What does he spend? What does he save? What does he want to do? I, You know, those things, that's where it is. But the whole dropping of it yesterday was was a concerted effort of we're going to drop this in the lap, make it a story, kind of embarrass the Packers, and now it puts a whole lot of pressure. Hey, Mark Murphy, fix this. And, and, and you know what? I don't, I'm not saying I like it, but – Mark Murphy's bleeped this up too. Sure. And 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 Aaron maybe hasn't handled it. This is this is where you can't let this thing get out. I don't know if it's so bad that you can't make amends. I just know money has a tendency to fix a lot of things. 
make a lot of people happy. It does. Turn and that frown upside down, Neil. Here's it, a big check. It's 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 now another interesting quarterback deal going into the season. Is is you know like we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Now we don't know oh, what's yeah. going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I mean, you know, he he. Who knows? It's like I said, man. I give the NFL credit. The NFL is king. They did the deal last night. It was great television. You had the drama of a couple of trade ups, and you had the early drama. Is something going to happen with Rodgers? Oh yeah. And now, and now, even this weekend after the draft is over, and after we do the who won and who lost and all that stuff, you'll still starting on Monday. You'll have the talk shows, and they'll be doing the, the Trevor Lawrence and. They'll, we'll do the whole Justin Fields thing and Trey Lance and, and 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 Mac Jones and all that stuff. And now they'll still have this talking point for months, yeah. Chris, about Aaron Rodgers. Can it? Can it? Will he show up? Will, will he? They, show will up? they give him the money and then that ends it? Then it's not a talking point. If they don't, the storyline is going to be like it was. Well, it was different with Favre because he's retiring, he's unretiring, he's coming. It's going to be the same thing though. With a, is he going to show up? Is he going to show up? Is he going to, and, and then, so here's the other thing. By stating it, I am done with the Packers, I'm not playing, it puts a little bit of pressure because he's told them that if you're Green Bay, if you believe that, if you believe, now obviously they don't and they think he's going to stay, they think they can fix it. But if you believe he is not going to play and he's got enough money and he, maybe he's got, he's got the – then you have the situation of I can get they could have gotten a boatload. You know, sure. people people were saying, oh, give them five first-round picks. Well, here's a, a, a – it's never been the issue. You can only trade three years out, so you can only get, like, you know, first-round picks for three years. And you can't, but they, you, you could have gotten players. You wonder, what would, would, would San Francisco have done? Would, would they – I know they were interested. It never – it never, now, I've heard things like he was disappointed that he didn't take – that the Packers didn't take San Francisco's offer. My understanding is it never got to an offer. So, I don't know there that that's a – but, what, what, you know, I'm sure he'd like to be in Northern California. It's where he's from. And, uh, you, know, San Fran, you know, the Niners are really good. I mean, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's something that would be – and I think there are a couple of other teams that would fit. But if you're Green Bay and you're going to lose him and get nothing for him, you could have gotten – Buku picks, you could have said what Fred Warner I want, three first-round picks, three second-round picks. Um, I'll take Garoppolo. Uh, I mean, you, you just, I'll, take, I'll take a Debo Samuel. I, I mean, you could have gone down the road and kind of basically said, and what? I mean, you talk about just bend over and, and whatever. It's just – it would have been – it would you know, and, and yet now if he walks away, you got nothing but – I think they're banking on that Aaron doesn't want to walk away, and he's not going to walk away from the money. So it's, it's a, a lot it's a of game money of, to walk away. It's a game. From. It's a game of chicken, and but you're right. It's going to be a storyline. It's going to be a storyline that it's, is going to be big. It's a compelling storyline. It's it's easy talk radio. It's it's, and what makes it what makes it compelling, and we'll move on from it. But what makes it compelling is that unlike a lot of guys, who you know you go, oh, it's a contract negotiation. This guy can be so petty that it's certainly possible that he just goes, you know what? I told you I wasn't coming back. I meant it. Yeah, and people I don't tell me think that's likely, but there's enough of a realistic possibility that it is that makes it where you watch it and you go, hmm, that's pretty interesting. Green Bay's taking a real chance here. 
Yeah, well, and, you know, people will, you know, and you'll hear this, it's, it's, it's really more about the money. It is, is, it's about respect. Well, my experience in the league is that's how players equate respect, the money that they get. So money and respect are the same thing in their eyes. So in their eyes, it's like, like in other words, the money that he makes right now probably would be fine if everybody else in the league made less than he did, you, you know, at quarterback. But the fact that the, the you know, the, the tide rises all ships, and so now you got Jared Goff with this. Well, he's like, hey, you kidding me? 37, I want mine. I want to be paid this. And, and, and I, I, I understand that. Um, that's part of it. Uh, but you got to deal with it in today's world, and the Packers haven't done a good job of dealing with it. They are, they are not a good team without him. This podcast, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. Okay. This podcast also brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly. Through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores, Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest markets on the products on the market, I should say to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all, and Blue Sky wants to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. And we're brought to you by our friends at Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. They are your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it. It's the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. It's the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailers being built today. Fully primed and powder-coated Load Trail trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market today. Perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camps, hauling race cars, and more. They can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. For podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. A full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories. Listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full service shop. They can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call at 601-932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. Make sure that you tell Alpha that you heard about them on the MPW Digital Networks, Network of Podcasts, which includes SEC Football and beyond. Um, so just kind of some staggering numbers. The 2017 Alabama recruiting class. <laughs> That's crazy. So I had it last night, but we got to up it. So it was 25%. Now it's more than 25. It's probably, I don't time to do the math, between 25 and 30% now of that recruiting class were first-round picks. Let me say that again. Not 25, or let's say 27 28% were draft picks were first-round draft picks. That is the definition of, you know, when people say all the time about you got really good developmental programs that, you know, okay, they recruit, 
you know, certain level guy and they get a lot out of them and they develop them and they're really, really good, but they don't get elite players. And then you got some programs that recruit elite talent, but they, they don't quite get it done on the field as consistently. And you know how people say, man, what if you can get the best of both worlds that could recruit at a high level and develop who, that you can be the best recruiting program in the country and the best at developing? It's Nick Saban in Alabama. That's, that's what it looks like, and that's why college football is – it's Alabama's world, and it's uh, – we, we talked about this before. You take Alabama out of the mix, college football is kind of interesting. I mean, it's still chalky, but you still have some conversation. Now college football is can anybody beat Alabama? I mean, it's you know, it's kind of like the can anybody beat the Celtics in the sixties? You know, when they went like nine in a row. Okay, that's the whole storyline. Can anybody do that? That's that's it right now. That's, that's how dominant it is. Yeah, the stat yesterday about more first round draft choices than losses. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, he's got oh, he's got twenty three losses and now thirty six first round draft picks. It's insane. And you know what? You go back and look at it, you think. Wow, and you, you got to look at that first year. That's where the losses are. Because if you if you if you go all right, you say all right, fourteen years, twenty eight would be two a year. You had twenty three, so you're dealing one point something. But you go to that first year, which is a big transition. I can't remember how many he six. lost. He lost he, six. He lost six that first year. Yep. So if you just you know you can't take that out. That's that happened. That is. But if you think about it, from there. <laughs> I mean, you got less than a loss a year. Because you think about it, but we forget, you know, some of those titles he won was with one loss. But you tend to forget about the loss because you win the national title. Who cares? But it just there's just not many losses. And, and, and outside of that first year when they lost to who – did, who did Alabama <laughs> – I'm just being a smart ass. Who did Alabama lose to that first year? That's the only team that's not ranked that they – that beat him. Neil, LLM, tell baby. me with that. Tell me with the 14 ULM big boy. That's right. The the ULM. Oh. That's that's the only that's the only non-ranked team that's ever beaten them. <laughs> and then you know that was that first year where he's, you know, he's kind of putting the putting the uh Chris, I'm intimately familiar with that first year. I know, I know. That's why I brought you I said I want to make why sure I'm that. I'm here right now. I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm very familiar with what happened in so in year one. Another thing I want to hear your thought, but um, so I'm preparing for the draft. I didn't have a lot of time, but I, uh, I get a call and then I followed up. And <laughs> there's some. What's your thoughts on it? There's, there's some people on that staff at Ole Miss not real happy about, <laughs> but some stuff that went on this week. So I, I we hadn't had a chance to talk about it off the air. I I, I can and I will. And but I want your thoughts. Obviously, Ole Miss they're not happy with me. I don't think. Uh, oh, I, I I haven't had a chance okay. to to hear. To, you know, I've, I've been busy, but they are not. Um, <laughs> there's, I, I I'll I'll say there's. They're not. Uh, there's some people on that staff not happy about what went down. But yeah. I, 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 I leave the floor to you on um, some drama in the Grove. Yeah, there's definitely drama. So I guess it was Tuesday that uh, Tuesday the news broke that uh, Lane Kiffin had fired Randy Clements, the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. I said I started to say offensive coordinator because he's sort of tied to the hip. Uh, 
to the offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, who has who um, recently agreed to – like Clements, they'd signed new deals to go into U2 under Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. And obviously, firing your offensive line coach the Tuesday after the spring game is nonsensical. It's, it's, it's revelatory of something emotional, of something happening – inside the building of something building to something because the, the the natural times to fire an offensive line coach right chris are after a season or immediately after signing day where you screw the kids and and that's but that's what happens in in college coaching usually more the first than the latter but you know usually at the end of a season hey a year didn't go real well we're going to redo our staff we're going to revamp some coaches and that you see an offensive line coach fired on the Tuesday after the season finale, and you're like, yeah, oh, hum. But the Tuesday after spring football, you go, whoa, what's up here? And it's sort of revelatory of there's some fraction, fractiousness, I, I think is the better word, inside that staff. I don't think it's a secret that Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy don't always see eye to eye. I think it's obviously revelatory of Randy Clement and Lane Kiffin were not fond of one another. Uh, I think Clement does not particularly like Kiffin's coaching style. Clement was not happy about some of the recruiting decisions that were being made inside the program. He was not particularly fond of who was making the uh, of, of the the way that the decisions were made. The fact that Kiffin deferred more to um, his general manager uh, Lindsey than he did with Clement. He did not like that there were a couple of times, at least a couple of times that I'm aware of, and perhaps more, that kids were offered and believed that they had scholarships and had those scholarships pulled late in the process. And when Clement said, hey, you need to be the one coach, referring to Kiffin, that makes those calls to the high school coaches to, to, to smooth those waters over, Kiffin has a tendency, I'm told, to defer to people on his staff. Hey, call, handle it. Tell them. And um, Clement said, no, "I don't. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not. I'm not the guy for that. That's you." And it's my understanding that at that point, and I've heard different iterations of how this happened, but I've heard the basic message as the same. Kiffin said, "No, you're right. You're not the guy. You're fired." So uh, it's kind of kind of tense. I don't know. I don't know where they're going. Offensive line. I have no idea. You probably have a much better clue than I do at this point. But the fact is. Today's April the 30th, and you're getting ready for this season with a, a, a big-time quarterback coming back. Levy's going to do his job. But I don't think there's any secret now that, that, that Levy probably is looking for the exit sign at the end of this year. Oh, yeah. Now, I, th- I, 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 think, I think if there's a way they could do an exit sign this afternoon, he would. I, um, I agree. I think <laughs> he's, he can. I mean, it, it's I not. I think he would leave today if he there is, was a He is. Yes. He is. He is pissed big time. Yeah. Um, yeah. The people that know. are trying to spin it like this is normal, it, it's just not. This is not. This is not a. Now, is it salvageable? Sure. You want, you want to know if there's there's any chance of an NFL job that could come? I mean, he is just, he is irate. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he'll cool down and realize that, you know what, probably there'll be the better time on it. He's still in a pretty good spot, Chris, because he's, he's he is, highly he is. thought of. He, but he's just, he's just pissed. And, you know. Well, now you got to bring in a new offensive line coach. You've got to get on the same page with him. He and Clement absolutely. have a really good relationship. But he does have a really good offense. He can turn this into something. 
And then look, it's the it, this is not exactly a secret here in Oxford. There are Absolutely. a lot of people who say, look, if Lane Kiffin were to move on uh, quickly, if Lane Kiffin were to leave, it, let's say Ole Miss just for kicks and giggles, Chris goes ten and two, and Lane Kiffin turns that into I don't I don't I don't even know another college job, an NFL job, whatever. There's a lot of people that think, hey, Jeff Lebby in that scenario would have a a strong chance to be his replacement as the head coach at Ole Miss. And I, I tend to I tend to agree with that. I know some boosters who are big Lebby fans who w- wouldn't actually mind seeing that happen. So it, it, it's as yeah, usual it, covering it, Ole Miss, there's some drama here. Yeah, and here's the thing. It's it's um personalities can be a part of it, but that's that's uh, I mean and that's here's the thing with Lane and I know his dad real well and I got to know him pretty well through through Monty. And it's one of the things that I I thought he had learned, and and I I think he's gotten better. But to take that next step, here's what you've got to do as a head coach. So like at USC, yeah, they're on probation and all that. All he wanted to do in his eyes, he was a young guy, he was a you know play caller, and he was at USC. I'm going to be the play caller. I'm going to design the offense. I'm going to do what's fun, what I like, and all bleep you know, fell apart there because there was no discipline. He wasn't involved. I don't want to deal with that. Other people deal with that. That's not what a head coach is. Here's why we talk a lot of times about certain guys are really good and go get the next guy. You got to be a leader. Good head coaches are leaders. Nick Saban was a great defensive coordinator. That's not – he's a leader and he does that. So, one of the things that when he went to Alabama, I think he learned a little bit of that, that everybody – had a design role, but the buck stopped here. And this is how it flows up. And this is what we do it. Learning that, I think, was a big part of that. Obviously, got a smaller level job. And then now that old miss. And I think he's much more mature and better organized in a lot of that than he was at USC. But it sounds like there's more work that still needs to be done. So no question. On, on the whole deal of when you you can decide in this day and age in my day you never went back on an offer of recruit cuz you just you couldn't go back in that high school we're in a different world you offer these kids so damn early that you know it, it just comes and goes it's your job as a head coach to do that nick saban makes those calls and says calls the head coach calls the family and says this is why we offered neil this is what's happened you can't do that because it shows a lack of leadership. It shows a cowardness, and it affects your ability. Recruiting's not just selling, you know, it's pretty girls and all this stuff. It's about accountability, and it's about leadership, and that is absolutely what he has to do. And I don't think Lane is kind of a – kind of grew up a little California cool type, you know, I don't want confrontation. That's what you have to do as a head coach. You've got to do that. You you can go, you can get to a certain point as a play caller, a play designer, create excitement. But if you're going to be a really good head coach, a really elite head coach, you've got to be able to take a stand. And look, there's nothing wrong if he says as the head coach, this is who we're offering and this is why. And, you know, if he doesn't, if they don't see eye to eye, the head coach is the head coach. 
He's the boss. And if you don't, if you if you begin to ruffle the feathers too much of the head coach, you're 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 not going to make it because the head coach is the boss, like it or not. Yeah, he's right. He's wrong. It doesn't matter. He's the boss until he's not. He's the boss. But with that, the head coach has to act like the boss. He has to, he has to explain it. He has to be clear to it. He has to, you know, do things from the standpoint of this is what we have to do. This is why we're doing it. Be clear, be defined. And then for, for goodness sakes, in the recruiting sense, you got to pick up the phone and you got to make the call to the parents, to the kid, to the head coach at the high school and explain what you're doing and why. Because it's going to have an effect, and you start to get that reputation of, okay, he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to deal with that. Well, it's not all about going into the film room and designing your play sheet and ultimately your playbook. Yes, that's what you love to do. That's what you got there. You need to get people to help you. Spurrier did not – Spurrier was – and that's that's Lane's idol. Yeah. Yep. Spurrier, Spurrier was a guy – he liked to play his golf. He liked to design his offense. He didn't care a lot of stuff. But when it came down to a big decision, he might delegate things, but he made the final decision, and when there was a tough phone call that needed to be made, he would do it. And he, you know, and you got to do that. And that's that's a that's just a a, a loving, you know, Listen, lane, I, lane to take that next step. You got to do that, man. You got to do that. I talked to a couple of people yesterday who kind of know the situation really well, and they both said the same thing. They said, listen, as a play caller, as an offensive designer, Lane Kiffin is elite. I mean, he, yes. he is – He is, and when I say elite, I mean ultra elite. Like, he, they, they, one, one guy, frankly, who's not a big Lane Kiffin fan said he might be one of the best five who's ever lived. He said, but here's the deal. And you're exactly right. He said he's still a work in progress as a head coach. It's one of the reasons that I sometimes get uh, – I almost roll my eyes a little bit with some of the Ole Miss people a little because I get this question in my mailbag that I do every week, which is, is, is Lane Kiffin going to leave? Is he going to leave? Is he going to leave? It's like, hold up. Before anybody at a Alabama or a Georgia or a USC or an Ohio State or whatever hires Lane Kiffin, he has to do two things. He has to win at Ole Miss. Three things. He has to recruit at an elite level at Ole Miss. And he has to prove that he's, for lack of a better term, grown up as a coach. That he's ready to be the head of the program. That he's ready to handle all of the things with the program that he doesn't like. Look, right. Nick Saban would prefer to never go out and do public stuff. That's not his thing. Nick Saban likes ball. But to be the CEO at Alabama, you got to do more than ball. And sometimes you got to do some things that aren't part of necessarily the, the, the machinations of ball. And that's going to be the challenge for Kiffin. And, and, and here's the thing. He's only one season in. He's got time. He's at a perfect place for developing like that because he's got a long leash at Ole Miss. But this Clements thing has to be for him. It has to be a lesson. This can't be the kind of thing that you repeat over and over and over because at some point you won't be able to attract staff if you have that kind of reputation. It wasn't a good moment 
for him. And I don't know. Look, Clement might Clements might be at fault to some degree because this this didn't just snap on a Tuesday. This built over time. Oh sure, yeah, no, no, no. This, yeah, no, it don't work that way. You don't get a you don't get an argument and say you're you're fired. It it, it happened. Right. Look, I'm gonna tell you something. Um, and look, it, it's kind of the the opposite. I mean, like like um, Jeremy Pruitt just hard to get along with. He just doesn't get along with people. And so it's a, Lane, Lane's not to me from, and again, I've never worked with him on a staff, but Lane's not that difficult to work with and work for. I, I, the guys that are frustrated with him are sometimes just what we're talking about. Okay. Do a little bit more, you know, gotta be a little bit more out front because it's not my place as the fill in the blank assistant coach to do that. Yeah, that's more of a head coach thing. And, um, yeah, no, and look, I, it, it, trust me, um, there's a lot of conflict that gets nipped in the butt at Alabama. A lot of people would, you know, but there's clearly sure. defined and there is respect. And that's what Lane is, you know, it's often, you know, the thing. And Monty, Monty's got a, got a, got a blind spot, you know, but we've talked a little bit about it, and I've told, I've, I've told this, and 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 um, I said, you know, Lane, you're one time over there. I said, you're you're like a, you're like an artist, you're very creative. And I said, that's great. You need to keep that, but you need to be a little bit more science scientist, a little bit more organized, a little bit more defined, a little bit more. Based upon certain things, this is what we do, and 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 clearly define things, and not, well, this is what we're going to do. You, you're right about being a a recruiter. So if if he says, no, 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 th- this is what he we're going to recruit on the, and this is what we need to do, and here's why, then then you know the offensive line coach, if he's butting heads with them, then you got to go. I mean, you got to go, but that needs to be. But with that, you've got to take ownership, and if. And if somebody's being offered that shouldn't be, then that's that's stepping out of line and that's disorganization because you don't have it that way. Now, if you all agree that this is who you're going to offer and then after redoing it, you decide we made a mistake. We now need to go in this direction. You need to make those phone calls. Again, I said this now for the fourth time. You got to do that as the head coach. And, and look, there's some things you can do. Other people can call. I think it's fine for the recruiting coordinator, the football ops guy, the people that have a relationship with the the kid and the family and the high school coach and the assistant coach to all call as well. It's kind of a man, look, sorry, this, you know, this is what we think. And and this is, this is what, but the head coach has to do it. Cause if, if they do it and the head coach doesn't, that leaves a stain. That just is not, not what you, it's not how you do business. And I know it's not a fun part of the business. That's the paycheck, though. That's what you get for when you're the head coach. That's why you, you know th- what? If you don't, just go be a high-paid coordinator, and you don't have to deal with that crap somewhere. Yeah, and there's people that like the, the, that's that's the, fine. The, the guy at Clemson, the defensive coordinator, whose name escapes me. Yeah, well, Brent Venables. That's what he wants to do. He's like, I, I want to make a lot of money. I want to just I want to coach defense. I'll help with recruiting at the end. That's what I want to do. And hey, you can do that. Here's the, the where Saban has a gift, truly. Is Nick Saban's a guy that there's a ton of ego, but there's also a lack of ego at times. He's the guy, and I'm told this from people who've been in those rooms. 
he has the staff meeting where he gets input from everybody and he listens. And then he says, okay, I heard everybody. Now, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're doing. And at that moment, that's what you're doing. That's it. Everybody got an opportunity to kind of say what they think, get that out. He listened. And even if he didn't agree with it, he doesn't hold that against you. But at the end of that meeting, everybody walks out of that room going, this is the direction in which we are going. And we start going there right now. And I think it comes with maturity. I do think, and I've always hoped that maybe this was getting better. Lane had a lot of, you know, he rose up pretty fast where he didn't, you know, he kind of had a lot of leeway. He did work for Pete Carroll. Now, Pete Carroll's another example that, cool, everything's great, and and let's get done, and we're going to play our pickup basketball. But you get a lot of work done. And, again, Pete made those tough calls when they needed to be done, and he was a good head coach. And Pete was a really good defensive coordinator. I mean, he was really a savant on that side of the ball, but he had good leadership. He led differently, but he was the leader. He was the boss, and you do it. And you do learn it. I know that um, the, the, the one time Nick Saban got fired in his career, he was a young coach for Earl Bruce at Ohio State. And they had a, they had a, a, well, a bad finish to the season. And Nick was kind of young, and he told me, he says, uh, he and Earl Bruce didn't get along, and he had a different idea how the secondary should be run and how the defense should be gone and all that, and he was speaking up. And he, he, he said I was probably a little bit too aggressive and all that. And he and the rest of the defense staff got fired after the bowl game, after Navy torched them and, and all that. He said, uh, I learned then the boss is the boss, the head coach is the boss. And, you know, you're a young guy, you tend to think you know it all. And then with Lane, Lane was a savant. He maybe you know, people, a lot of people say born on third base and thought he hit a triple. He really was pretty good as a play caller. But as you move up, again, you have more responsibility. And even as a coordinator, working with your assistants, organizing, coordinating, you can't just – I think he got a lot of success and a lot of money and a lot of titles because of his ability to call plays and design plays. And I think he's kind of – that's what I want to do. That's my comfort level. And – that's what I want to do. But when you become a head coach, it changes. You can do that. Do all of those things, and you can delegate things, but you can't delegate head coach things. You can't delegate, I'm going to make a tough call in the game. I'm going to make a tough call in recruiting. I'm going to make, I'm going to make somebody uncomfortable when I have to make this, but I, I'm going to have to make a tough call. And look, I admire him. He, he didn't uh, – he made a move on the assistant coach. For all I know, he's the boss. You move on. But again, you just you wonder a little bit about that. But anyway, no, I'm I'm glad we we had a we had a chance to talk about it. Hey, two final last things. Uh, Kansas has made a hire. They hired yes. Lance, Lance Leopold, Leopold yes. Yes. As, the, as the coach. And then here's a stat for you as we leave. One of the games Alabama lost. In 2019, Alabama lost to LSU. Listen to the first round NFL. <laughs> yeah, count. no, no. This is from my friend Ryan Brown at WJOX in Birmingham. Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavaloa, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Jedrick Willis, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Alex Leatherwood, Justin Jefferson, Najee Harris, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, <laughs> and Mac Jones was standing on the sideline and he was a 15th pick overall in the first round that's that's why when you're at uh if, if you're in the sec west you look around and you boy you better bring your lunch every day because it is no 
brutal. No doubt. Yeah. Hey, thanks everybody for, yeah, thanks everybody for being with us. Uh, I know Chris is going to do another 20 hours of uh, of second and third round draft. Uh, yes, join us tonight, 5.30 Central. We'll take you through second and third round tonight and Saturday, 10.30 a.m. We'll get going a half an hour before the first pick takes you four through seven. I actually think it's going to even be a better show because they'll take you through a lot of picks with guys you don't know and get you a good feel for what, when, and why. So we'll see where it goes. All right, so uh, you guys enjoy Chris tonight. Enjoy the draft. Have a great weekend. For Chris, I'm Neil. We'll see you on Tuesday with another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. Take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.